Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brekkie with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Ah, g'day. Thanks for taping up the years with me this morning. Brisbane footy fans, Broncos and Lions. Are you confident your team can be hoodoo gurus this weekend? Oh, there we go. Slim and Sam. Get those buttons going. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Can the Broncos beat the Storm for the first time in seven years? The first time at Suncorp in 14 years. The first time in a final since the 2006 decider. And what about the Lions? Can they overcome their finals hoodoo in the Chris Fagan era? Nine games in September with just three wins. So on this Tuesday morning, where's your head at? Are you confident or are you concerned? Brisbane footy fans across both codes, 13-13-55. I'm more confident of one over the other, as you would have heard just then with Pat and Heels. Look, if you're not a Brisbane supporter, that's okay. I want your import as well. If your team is out of finals contention, yes, South fans, I'm looking at you. If your team is out of finals contention, are you jumping on Brisbane's bandwagon, the Broncos or all the Lions? And if not, why not? 131355 0467736736. It'll give us an insight into the barriers that you think both the Broncos and the Lions are facing. Uh, we will head to Suncorp a little later today with the Bronx uh, just running on the training paddock. Uh, they are opening the doors to the media and their media uh, and uh, having a media session. So we'll get an idea from the players what they're thinking heading into this match. Uh, before that, you'll hear from a man who actually knows how to beat the Melbourne Storm at the Cauldron. He's part of the SEN family and part of that team in 2009. The Chainsaw, Andrew McCulloch. He's coming up shortly. Um, the Lions, they have to face the only team left standing that they haven't beaten this year. Port Adelaide, Saturday night at the Gabba. Now, Porter guided by the crafty Ken Hinckley. And after 10, we'll be chatting to a man who knows him more than most. He coached alongside him at the Gold Coast Suns. So we've got a lot to unpack, but also what will Ken Hinckley be unpacking against the Lions at the Gabbard Saturday night? Dean Solomon uh, along after 10. And, you know, I wonder how much this will play a factor in the Lions finals tilt. I think 
if it wasn't for you, to be honest, I wouldn't still be here, wouldn't still be playing. Um, I remember when we first caught up in our first meeting, you, you said to me, mate, your, your best foot is ahead of you. And I think I was probably 26 or 27 at the time. And I thought, wow, like, this is a coach coming in who, who's given me that belief. There we go. Daniel Rich yesterday announcing to the team that this year will be his last. And he thanked Chris Fagan. When he came to the club in 2016, Daniel Rich, your best footy is ahead of you. And he's right, Chris Fager, or he was right. He switched him into the back line and turned him into an all-Australian defender. How much emotion will come into this for the Lions? It's something I'm putting to Dean Solomon, but how much do you think it'll play a factor? Add to that Marcus Adams last week. It's been an emotional seven days inside the Lions' den. Last week, Marcus Adams, who we haven't seen for 12 months due to those prolonged concussion symptoms, said he is calling time on his career. Chris Fagan struggled to hold it together, and quite rightly so. One of his boys, someone he treats as family, had to call it quits, and not on his terms because of concussion. Chris Fagan, an emotional Chris Fagan, said, Marcus, when we run out there during this final series, you will be in our hearts and in our heads. We will be doing this for you. Now, that's big. That's big for a coach to say that, to have that emotional inspiration. You can use it personally, those one percenters, but we often hear about them saying in, in any code, in any sport, if, if you're playing for someone else rather than yourself, really do you need that as extra motivation? Maybe it is going to be a factor. 13, 13, 736. Are you confident or are you concerned as a Brisbane footy fan this weekend? Can they be busting those hoodoos? Uh, the Wallabies World Cup, it, can, it starts this weekend as well. Uh, Australia are playing Georgia in France. There we go. There's a World Cup for you, aren't you? One man who was part of the last World Cup in France, he debuted under Eddie Jones. He's our third most capped Wallaby of all time. Stephen Moore. He's going to be not only talking through the Wallabies' chances, but I, I know he's got some strong feelings on Eddie Jones. Uh, he, he has just jumped on a plane to Paris so I caught up with Stephen Moore before the program and, and what he had to say about Eddie, but also the Wallabies' chances. Um, unbelievable stuff from a former Wallabies captain. Do not miss that before midday today. I'm just looking at centre. Well, actually, it's not centre court at uh, Flushing Meadows. It's Louis Armstrong court. It's where Alex Diminor is playing Daniil Medvedev. Uh, where does Louis Armstrong come into it as far as Flushing Meadows? A musician? Why is there a court named after him? It's something I'll be putting to Brett Phillips when we get an update on the US Open and how our young Aussie is going. Of course, the quiz is back after 11 o'clock today. I've got a $100 voucher to the Lord Alfred to drop on you. So, yeah, when you head out to the Lord Alfred to Caxton Street, drinks are on us, maybe dinner's on us. Either way, that is up for grabs after 11. Remember, I'll be giving you answers to the quiz. That's how generous we are throughout the morning, and I'm going to start with, get your pen and paper ready, Corey Parker. Corey Parker is one of the answers you will need for the quiz after 11 today. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. They're, they're the digits you need to be part of the show. Um, there is some breaking news as I was walking into the studio. Cricket 
is on the radar to become an Olympic sport again at the LA Games in 2028. Uh, The Times in London are reporting this, that the executive board of the IOC are set to deliberate on what new sports will be welcome into the fold for LA. This is going to happen on Friday, according to the Times in London. The report claims that men's and women's T20 cricket will make the cut and become an Olympic sport for just the second time. The first time? Paris in 1900. That's right. The turn of the central, last century, was when cricket was at the Olympics. Paris in the 1900. Uh, Thomas Bach, the IOC president, is a big fan of bringing cricket into the Olympics because of the appeal that it has in India, Bangladesh and Pakistan. Think of the eyeballs that is going to bring to the Olympics if you have at least a billion in India watching. But here's the caveat. Here's the catch. Organisers of LA 2028, they said, yeah, we'll have cricket. But you've also got to include, wait for it, flag football. So basically, tag for NFL, for gridiron. That's the caveat. They said, we'll have cricket if we can have flag football. Come on, flag football, really? Let's help them out this morning. The LA organisers. What else can we throw into the mix as an Olympic sport? And I'll take all comers, serious, and maybe the not so. 38 sports were in the games when Rio rocked around in 2016 because then golf was a part of it. Remember that? But at Tokyo the number of sports jumped up to 46, from 38 to 46, when we had the likes of 3x3 basketball, BMX, karate, rugby sevens, baseball, softball, skateboarding, surfing, and the well-known speed climbing. Now, some of these are going to be paired back for Paris next year. It's going to drop down to 45. Baseball, softball, they're out. But breakdancing is in. You remember this, don't you? Breakdancing, now an Olympic sport next year. So in 2028, if we've got breakdancing as a sport, if we've got three-by-three basketball as a sport and possibly cricket, they want flag football, Oztag for gridiron. What else? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. What else should be an Olympic sport? We're taking all comers today. But before we do that, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. Yeah, Brisbane footy fans, are you concerned or confident when it comes to your team this weekend? I'm talking Lions. I'm talking Broncos. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Can they be the hoodoo gurus? the Lions and the Broncos this weekend. I'm more confident of the Lions than the Broncos. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they both win. But the Storm worry me. Don't they? They they worry you too as Broncos fans? Or do you think this is the best team the Broncos have fielded in the last seven years? On that count, I, I think they are. Are they better than the... Last team to beat Melbourne at Suncorp? Definitely they are. So what's holding them back? Bogey teams. It's a thing, isn't it? 
bogey teams, bogey grounds. Mentally, they have to overcome them. Physically, it's going to be a challenge, but mentally, they have to overcome it. It's something I'll be asking all our football talent today about bogey teams. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, Chris Fagan's team, they have been the Hoodoo Gurus over the last four or five years. They've busted them all. They've taken on every team they haven't won against and have. Even the MCG, they busted that Hoodoo last year. But finals are still an issue. Three from nine. Two of them came last year, and they busted that MCG hoodoo. So that's why I'm confident about the Lions at home against Port Adelaide. Another reason being that the Pride of Brisbane Town have won more games this year than they have in the last 20 years. 17 wins in the home and away season. Now, the last time they did that, 21 and 22, uh, sorry, 2001, 2002. And we know what happened those years. Port Adelaide at this point are the only team that stand in their way because they are the only team they haven't beaten this year that is still alive. But they have beaten Port Adelaide the last five times they played them before that ambush in round one. In fact, the last time Port Adelaide won at the Gabba was Fags' second year in charge back in 2017. That's why I'm confident about the Lions, not so confident about the Broncos. What about you? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. If you're not confident about either of them, why? And this is where I want to bring you in if you don't follow a Brisbane team regularly, if they're not your number one team. Because right now, you're one of two people in this city. You're out holding out hope that the Broncos and Lions are going to get through and get to the big dance in that last weekend in September. Or the other type of person who's living through a horror movie right now because your team has been wiped out of the finals and for the next two months, what do you have to look forward to? If you are the latter, have you jumped on the Brisbane bandwagon? Are they going to be your second team? And again, this is across all codes. If you support Souths, Dolphins, Tigers, Dogs, are you now following the Broncos? If you're a Richmond, Geelong, Kangaroos, Adelaide, Essence supporter, are you now backing the Lions? And if not, why not? What's holding you back? Who who do you think is going to beat them? And this is the game for all of us to play today. Who are Brisbane's biggest threats? The Broncos and the Lions. NRL and AFL. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. If you're not a Brisbane supporter, that's okay. If you're not jumping on the bandwagon, why? What's holding you back? Whose support are you hitching your wagon to? Which team are you hitching your support to? If you are a Brisbane supporter, who's standing in your way of a title? If you're not a Brisbane supporter, whose bandwagon are you jumping on and why? It's that time of year. That time of year to put your money where your mouth is. The time is 17 minutes past nine, Tuesday morning, 21 degrees, looking at a top of 30 today. Oh, winter is well and truly gone. Could be a couple of storms around. You are on the new home of sport here in Queensland, SENQ, 693 AM, 1620 on the Gold Coast. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ.
Uh, exactly. Brisbane footy fans, where is your head at leading into the first week of the finals? Are you confident or are you concerned? Jamie's out of Camira. Jamie, good morning. How you going, mate? Very well. Where's your head at? Yeah, um, mate, it's a bit shaken at the moment, but I've got all confidence in both of them winning, actually, to be honest. Like, records are meant to be broken, I suppose. So, yeah, no, I'm pretty worried about the Bron- Broncos because the storm, that hoodoo, just continues. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, i got all confidence in them, mate. Like, they got a different side this year, so... After that rest last week, give them a bit of bit of a boost, so I'll be ready, primed to go. I reckon. Nice one, Jamie. Appreciate you being part of the show. Are you with Jamie? Uh, yes, we are all hopeful. He's confident, though. Although I could tell there was just a little bit of doubt creeping in there about the Melbourne Storm. Look, that that's the one that worries me. And there's so many different factors you can look at. We'll get to the text in just a moment, but there's so many factors you can look at. You can't take into account last weekend. Surely you can't. I mean, it's two completely different teams lining up against each other. So do you go back over the last seven years? Well, again, two completely different teams. But these players have played against... I mean, who 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 has beat the Melbourne Storm? Capewell, yeah. Adam Reynolds has only beaten them twice in his career. There's not too many who've beaten the Melbourne Storm. That's got to play on their mind. I look back at the form over this year, coming off a bye. Because effectively, that's what the Broncos are doing, having rested that many players. The first bye this year, they got dusted by the Titans. But then they came back after the following byes and beat the Bulldogs, hasn't everyone, and then beating the Raiders. So backing up first up after a spell, not too bad for the Broncos. And that Bulldogs game, that second by the that was straight after State of Origin. So right in the middle of that period. But here's the real factor that's worrying me. When they played the Melbourne Storm earlier this year, round 11, I'm going to take you back. Adam Reynolds... He's gone after 17 minutes because, remember, he face-planted, gave himself concussion, diving on the ball. So Adam Reynolds take him out of the game after 20 minutes or inside 20 minutes. That's a big factor. That's a big factor. But I look at Pat Carrigan. I look at Payne Haas. And I look at Reese Walsh, who are all on the field. And I have a look at some of those numbers. Reese Walsh was unbelievable for Brisbane. 173 run metres, a try assist, six tackle breaks. Pat Carrigan ran for 225 metres, 26 runs. And put this in perspective, that 225 metres, he spent 10 minutes in the bin. Flegler spent some time in the bin. So again, this all goes against Brisbane when they lost in round 11. And then I'll look at Payne Haas and his numbers. 215 metres, eight tackle breaks. So Payne Haas over 200 metres, Pat Carrigan over 200 metres while spending 10 in the bin, uh, and Reese Walsh nearly 200 metres. They had a day out. I don't think they could have played it any better, but they still lost. That's my concern. 
They lost 24-16. I know there was insinuating circumstances. I know there was two points in it. And Reese Walsh went for a strip. And Ezra Mam had his hand on Meany at the time. So it constituted two players in the tackle. It could have been a Brisbane try. But instead, the Storm marched down the other end of the field and turned that game around. It ended up being match-defining. It still worries me, though, that the big three of Carrigan, Payne Haas and Reese Walsh had a day out and still couldn't get the job done. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the hoodoo is broken. Uh, speaking of getting the job done, Alex Dimonor is doing it just fine right now on Louis Armstrong Arena. Why Louis Armstrong? I'm going to find out from Brett Phillips. We get a US Open update from him before midday today. But as the scores go, Alex Dimonor against Daniil Medvedev, the world number three. He has taken the first set, the Aussie, 6-2. Uh, it looks like it's on serve in the second at this stage. But we know Daniil Medvedev has been having problems. He's called for the doctor. He's had a puffer out there. He's having issues breathing. We know it's been as humid as all get out at Flushing Meadows uh, over the last week. Uh, so we'll see if uh, uh, the Aussie can prevail in conditions, you'd have to think, that would suit him. Uh, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Let's have a look at a few of these texts coming through. Uh, George, morning to you out at Logan Village. Hoodoos are meant to be broken if the Bronx don't win on Friday. I'll just beat them in the grand final like 2006. There we go. I love that confidence. They'll do it the hard way, the long way, but they'll get it done in the end, says George. Uh, Max is out at Kalanga. He said, as a Broncos fan, I'm petrified of the storm. I think we should have played our main players last week just to bust the hoodoo mentally before the finals. Well, there's that. That's something, isn't it? Is there much in that? Do you agree with Max? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Lee reckons the Lions play too much careful football against good opponents, which affects their scoring. History shows that they play too cautious in big games. Lee has concerns about the Lions by the sounds of that. Brisbane are the best attacking team in the comp. They've scored more points than anyone else. Port Adelaide, can they back it up? Round one was the last time they met and it was an ambush down there. I think Adelaide scored eight straight goals after half time. Blue Brisbane off the park. Horn Francis, Butters, they went to town. They made our star-studded midfield look pedestrian. Surely that's got to be a factor in the stinging, in the hurt, in what they are concentrating on inside the Lions' den. As I said, we'll get a take on what Ken Hinckley will be bringing because the art of war... Sun Tzu, it's always knowing your opponent, knowing what they bring. And remember, every hero needs a villain. So we're going to get an insight on what Ken Hinckley can bring from a man who's been alongside him in the coaching uh, box before, Dean Solomon. But right now, bang on half past nine, 22 degrees in the River City. It is time for a news hit. Here's Vanessa. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Wondering if the Brisbane teams can break their hoodoos this weekend, first week of the finals. The Melbourne Storm are the Broncos hoodoo team. And 
Well, I've been called out about saying, Ben, the, the Lions don't have a finals hoodoo anymore. They shut that down last year. Yeah, I would like to think so, but we still need to back that up, don't we? As Lions fans, as Brisbane fans, you would still like to see them back that up when it comes to finals footy. Nine finals they've played in, but only three wins. Actually, speaking to my spies down at Lions training this morning, um, Lincoln McCarthy, his uh, baby moo, as he likes to call it, his calf, is uh, okay. He's running around. Uh, he is likely to uh, play against uh, Port Adelaide Saturday night. Dan Rich did speak to the media this morning uh, about his decision to call it quits. Uh, he, he did say, and he stressed this point, my spies are saying, that it was his call, not the coach's, to drop himself after that Hawthorne loss. Remember, he and Jack Gunston took a month out to, well, have a mini preseason to find form, whatever it may be. Well, the conspiracy theories were flying around going, come on, players don't drop themselves. The, the coaches tapped them on the shoulders. But Richie uh, said, no, no, definitely his call. Um, he won't be back for the AFL, but he could be playing due at his hamstring in the VFL final against Williamstown. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, I'm going to get to your IOC, your Olympic sports in just a moment. Um, well, actually, after we speak to Andrew McCulloch, because the story coming out of uh, the UK in the last couple of hours is that the IOC are going to vote on Friday about what games, about what sports, I should say, get included in LA 28. Cricket, T20, is on the cards. The IOC big fans are bringing the eyeballs of India, Pakistan, even Bangladesh into it to make sure that that part of Asia is watching with intent when it comes to the Olympics. The Americans say, yes, yeah, sure, we'll have that, but you've got to have flag football as well, which is basically their Oz tag when it comes to NFL. So let's help out the organisers of LA today. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736. What sports should be included at the Olympics in LA 28? A few thoughts already coming through, but a man who's standing by uh, is a man who knows how to beat the Melbourne Storm at Suncorp Stadium. He was part of the team to do it in 2009. He's also part of the SEN family, but let's have a look at that team very quickly. Carmichael Hunt, Antonio Winterstein, Steve Michaels, Justin Hodges, Israel Folau. Andy Backline in the halves, bloke called Lockyer. He went all right. And Pete Wallace. The forward pack, Dave Taylor, Aaron Gorrell, Joel Clinton, Sam Thide, Ben Teo, Corey Parker. A couple of internationals there too. On the bench, Alex Glenn, Lungi Setsu, Gerard Yao-Yi, and the man who's standing by, Andrew McCulloch. A very good morning to you. Do you remember round two, 2009? Well, I was 19 then, Ben, so it was a fair while ago, but I wouldn't say I know how to beat the Storm, but I was lucky enough to be a part of, um, yeah, that game all the way all the way back then. And you told me back then that there was going to be a 14 or 15-year drought, drought after that. I wouldn't have thought so. So it was certainly a way different team. Um, plenty of players have gone to different directions. So, yeah, it was um, 
yeah, good night there, but it was uh, obviously a long time in between drinks for the Broncos at Suncorp. Still a handy team from both sides. I mean, I look through the Melbourne Storm. There's a bloke called Slater. He went all right. Uh, Cooper Cronk and Greg Inglis at 5'8". So there's your halves partner. And you were packing down in a scrum when you came off the bench against a, a guy called Cameron Smith. Yeah, I reckon they had a pretty handy sword there when you look, you look back <laughs> at who they had. So... Look, they were obviously stacked with players um, and they were lucky through that era of who they had playing. So it was, um, you know, we had some handy players as well. Um, Carmichael Hunt, Israel Folau, Hodjo, Lockie. So there was some, some names in there um, at the time. But yeah, it was uh, obviously a start of arrival, which obviously stems back from probably 2006 grand final. But um, yeah, it certainly makes for an exciting game um, on Friday night between two teams who are yeah, going strong and deserve to be in the top four. All right, the question I'm asking this morning, are you confident that the Broncos can get the job done or you are you concerned be, because of the bogey, because of any other elements? Uh, not really the bogey. I think every team's different. A lot of those guys that wouldn't even know. I, wouldn't even, I don't know how old some of them were when the last time they won there at Suncorp. So it's pretty irrelevant, that sort of stat. But you just hope they've got some confidence. But they, they have played the Storm, though, in the, in the last few years and they still haven't been able to beat them in that time. Like, does that does that play on on someone's mind be it a ground you haven't won at or a, or a team you can't get over not really for my personal experience i didn't really didn't really care i think every every year's different obviously you'd like the result to be changed and everyone talks about it but as a player yeah it didn't really bother me or phase me previous years or you know where you're playing and struggled at because you just weren't a part of it so you don't feel really attached to it in in, in a sense so you're just trying to get the best result for that week. And, you know, they've got a great opportunity. They've had a great round. They've had not many injuries. They've had a rest. They're key players. So there's no excuses. And, they've, you know, they've got the team to go through it if they really want to. Oh, all right. I want to ask you about that rest. Uh, Adam Reynolds hasn't played for a month. Paddy Carrigan through injury. We haven't seen him for the best part of three weeks. And we know that last week they were uh, given a spell, the majority of the team. Um how do you think that's going to play out? I was going to say good thing, bad thing. I suppose you could weigh up arguments for both, but what 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 has the overwhelming sense for you? Oh, you'd like to, I think great if you can rest players and you're afford to do that. I think a lot of other teams, especially that bottom, um, you know, four or five teams in that you know eight or ninth sort of position on the ladder would love to rest players. So if you can rest players this time of year, amount of football they play, the intensity it's it's going to go up through. Over the next few weeks, you'd, I'd be resting players for sure. Mm. Those guys have played in big games. They know, know to, what to expect. So they're not rookie players that don't understand. You've rested the key guys. And if you're able to do that this time of year, it's only a bonus because a lot of, lot of knocks, mental freshen up as well because, you know, obviously the intensity goes up. And I'd be resting players for sure if I was in that position. And I think probably eight, six, seven other teams would do the same. When I look at the Broncos' record this year after a bye, the, the first bye they had, they were done by the Titans, but then they come back and uh, uh, beat the Bulldogs, which pretty much everyone did, and also beat the Raiders, which was no mean feat uh, after a bye. So I guess the record after having a week off, momentum stopping, whatever you want to call it, it does fall into the Broncos' favour this year, although you can read into those results too, can't you? Yeah, it's you just... Yeah, grasping at things there. I think it just you got to cancel out, you know, the type of game. You know, motivation alone to get up for a game um, 
finals game, it's irrelevant what's happened throughout the rest of the year. So, yeah, you're playing at Suncorp against the Storm in a, in a final, which gives you another week off. So, uh, look, there's no, you don't need any more motivation. You don't need any more yeah, clarity of where you're going if you get the job done. So, it's um, yeah, it's an easy one for them to get up for, I think. All right, Mac, give us some hope. What do we do as fans? If we want to read the form, we want to look into it. We, we, we've gone through buys. We've gone through what's happened over the last decade and a bit. Do we just look back at the last time they played the Broncos in Melbourne? Is that even relevant at this time of year? All of it's irrelevant. I think you just it's the new game. Players all back from both squads. You know, they've had plenty of players that are rest. You know, Papineau's had a fair break as well, so throw him in the mix, but... New year, the way they they played this year, like I said earlier, it just doesn't doesn't flow any better from them. They've had plenty of break. This is a great opportunity with the team they've got to you know to cement their spot in the grand final within the next couple of weeks if they can get through the storm. But yeah, throw everything out. It's a it's a new game, new scenario, and and they both deserve to be there. Maka, what I like is what we're hearing out of Red Hill. The way they were training on Sunday was Corey Oates is not going to be in that team that runs out against Melbourne. That That's not good from Corey's point of view, and we all love seeing the big unit run around. But it shows that Kevy can make the hard calls. Yeah, but obviously a big call there. Uh, you know, I'd be lying to say I've watched every every game this year of the Bronx, because uh, I haven't, but you know, he's obviously saw something in, in, in Oatsy or whoever's taken that position in Jesse that he prefers at the moment. So... Yeah, it's obviously a hard one and and a tough one for Corey to to probably take. I'd be in similar boat if I wasn't just picked there as well. I'd be upset, but you got to put that aside and try and help your teammates out there because it's a big occasion and it's a team environment. So you got to put that aside and get on with it, whatever that might be, which is very hard to do. But yeah, it's he's made a tough call there for the big fella. You feel for him, but um, yeah, he's obviously saw something there that he likes a little bit more at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's going to be up to, up to Kevin to make those hard calls, and he's done that. All right. How do you beat the Melbourne Storm? How do you shut down your Munsters, your Meanies, your Pappenhausens, uh, your, your Nelsons, your, your Harry Grant? Jeez, I'm just listing an entire rep team here. How do yeah. we? <laughs> how do you stop them, Macca? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, a little bit of second-phase football, you know, with the ball, some offloads and, and using the football, you know, they probably – got to keep to what they know and he can't change up too much of their style which got him in this position to start with so yeah that old Kevill obviously done his homework and the rest of the coaching staff there to try and break up the storm they're so strong defensively and they've just been so good at it for so long well coached from Craig so it's um yeah it's um they're going to come up with some little bit different here and there but not obviously change up the whole game plan all right, one final one from me, and, and I think you're the perfect person to answer this. Being, being part of the spine, uh, Adam Reynolds, the last time they played the Melbourne Storm, he he knocked himself out. Remember, he was diving for the oh, ball yeah, over the line? Yeah, yeah, face planted. So he, he didn't last the entire game. How important then will Adam Reynolds be this time round if we see him go the 80 minutes? How how much influence, how much of a factor will he have on this game? Well, you're talking about the spine. The rest of them are, you know, inexperienced in terms of playing final on the football in those big moments. I know Reese played um, Origin this year, but, you know, Adam's that calm head and he's been in the situation many times before. So being able to keep those young players calm and not being, you know, being able to back themselves and they're not being too erratic. You know, big games are 
on, on moments throughout games. So they've got to be very mindful of um, keeping calm heads and, and making sure that they've been doing what they've been training for all year. But, yeah, just generally kicking and organising might seem basic, but that's that's the way finals games are won and very basic football, hanging onto the ball and defending well. So, um, yeah, he obviously a key factor, but has been all year, so it should be no different anyway. Mate, that makes me a lot more confident and puts my mind to rest a bit more. I hope it does for everyone else listening to that. Andrew McCulloch, the voice of reason. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. No, no dramas, mate, any time. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Slam and Sam, <laughs> the French national anthem. I mean, come on. I know there's a Rugby World Cup in France, which we'll be talking about with Stephen Moore a little later this hour. And I know it's the Lions theme song, or at least the tune to it. But come on, the French national anthem. What are we trying to suck up for the subs, are we? 13 Peach on text. Hey, good morning, Peach. Good to hear from you. He said, Ben, Olympic sports, if breakdancing is a sport, then so is hide and seek. Uh, the reason we're talking about that, if you're just joining us for the first time today, uh, the IOC are set to vote on Friday. What sports will be added to the 2028 LA Games? There's a big push for cricket, T20, men's and women's to be included. So what else should be included? Peach reckons, well, he didn't say hide and seek, but he reckons a breakdancing to sport, it should be there. Um, Simon's out at Salisbury. He said, Ben, what about netball? We'd be guaranteed a gold medal. We're the world champions and we can't be beaten. Well, remember England did beat us. The, the only point I'd say on netball, which I'm a big fan of, to being part of an Olympic sport, uh, I'm not saying that men don't play netball. But it's got to be a sport that has both male and female participation. Um, I know I'm about to get calls and probably howled down about men playing netball and the fact there are men's netball comps and we've even got Queensland teams, but it has to be fully inclusive. So I just don't know how strong it is in the other parts of the world. Simon, thank you for your thoughts. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. I'm going to chat to a man who knows exactly what Ken Hinckley is like in the coach's box and probably more importantly, what he does to prepare a team. And it's exactly what Ken is doing now. He spent the last 10 days plotting the downfall of the Lions at the Gabba. It's one of the hardest tasks, if not the hardest task, in football. Coming to Brisbane and trying to knock off the Lions. Maybe it's made even harder when you add in the one percenters. The one percenters like this. Daniel Rich yesterday addressed his teammates and said that this year will be his last. Firstly, thanks for coming for the, uh, the obviously the occasion. Um, yeah, it's a big crowd just to announce that I'm stepping down as uh, player finance commissioner. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and jacket organizer. So yeah, a bit emotional about that, but um, it's about time. Um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, been thinking about obviously. Yeah, it's been obviously bubbling away for the last few days um, about what I'm going to say and it's um, words are never going to be able to really, I suppose, sorry, express how I feel about um, everyone here in this footy club. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to make um, 
so many strong friendships and I've learned so much about myself as a person um, from a whole variety of people. Obviously, there's everyone here in the room now that has made the last um, patch of my life especially been so amazing and so memorable. Um, but there's been a lot of people that have come before that time as well and I thank them. Um, I'll in due course thank a lot of people because um, I'm not retiring tomorrow or today, I'm retiring at the end of this season and there's still a lot of water going to go under the bridge in both grades and I'm really bloody excited about that. Um, I really believe that this group has everything it takes to get it done and um, I want to be there for every, every part of it, whether I'm out there or not, um, supporting you guys. The one thing I'm, I'm lucky to, to be able to say is I'm a better person that I've been part of this footy club for so long. I've met some amazing people and played with some amazing players that have taught me not so much just about footy but about life um, and I've learned so much over the, my time here. I just wanted to let everyone here know how grateful I am for what they've done for me Starting with Fags, I think if it wasn't for you, to be honest, I wouldn't still be here, I wouldn't still be playing. Um, I remember when we first caught up in our first meeting, you, you said to me, mate, your, your best foot is ahead of you. And I think I was probably 26 or 27 at the time. And I thought, wow, like, this is a coach coming in who, who's given me that belief that my best foot is ahead of me. And that was really powerful. And I, I probably ended up playing the best footy um, from that point onwards. So thank you, mate. I do really appreciate that. Um, what you give to our players outside the, the footy field um, as that father figure around the boys is something that's pretty priceless. So thank you, mate. As I said before, I'm so amazingly blessed to call you my teammates, but more importantly, my friends. Um, that means more to me than, than anything else, and it always will. Um, I know I'm one of the old boys floating around, but um, you definitely keep me young at heart. Um, so getting to roll in the doors has been yeah, just an amazing achievement to be able to call what we do work. Um, so... I thank you so much for that, boys. Um, and yeah, for the rest of the staff I missed before, thank you so much. Yeah, apologies for the, the tears and going around in a few circles, but yeah, it's a, a pretty crazy, crazy thing to um, be somewhere for so long and then um, having to say goodbye in a way. But as I said before, we've got a pretty exciting month ahead, boys, and, and everyone here in the room. Um, the club's in a bloody good position. I'm so excited to be a part of that in, in whatever way I can. So let's go get it done. Good job. Yeah, a, a very emotional Daniel Rich yesterday. And his teammates were emotional too, listening to that. It's hard not to choke up. His, his wife, Lauren, uh, his kids, Indy and, and Sandy there uh, as well, listening to that. I wonder how much impact that will have on the group. Well, let's ask a man who's been there and done it before as far as winning premierships, as far as being inside the inner sanctum of a footy club. And he even played on Daniel Rich. Dean Solomon, a very good morning to you. Um, you were at Frio when Richie was just starting out in 2009. Do you remember the, the, the blonde-haired kid from Brisbane who looked more like a surfer than a footballer? I do, I do. And uh, he started with a bang as well back then. And uh, he's been a great recruit, hasn't he? He's played some... Fantastic footy, and um, I think initially he started as a midfielder from memory, yeah. and um, and then moved uh, into the back half of the, the field in the sort of second half of his career. But uh, geez, he's been a good player, and, and and just listening to that audio, then he spoke unbelievably well. Um, the connection between himself and Fags is, is obviously really strong, um, 
and it's an exciting month for him. And, and it does. I, I think it does. It does have an impact on the club, and, and in, in particular your teammates. When one of your stalwarts, uh, a guy that's been there for a lot, such a long period of time, um, who's played at a high level, um, you know, that, that, has an, that has an impact on you. That has an, a, a real impact on you as a teammate, um, as someone who shared the journey and, and someone you're going to miss. And it just gives you that little bit extra um, to, to completely empty out for the last month and make sure they get the job done. Not a bad coaching ploy then to, to have that uh, up, up your sleeve as well. The, the, the little 1% is almost the, 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 the intangible stuff that you can't really put a, a figure on how many goals it's worth or, or how much it'll get into the boys. What about the stuff you can put your finger on? Dean, Brisbane, and I'm asking this of all my guests this morning, are, are, are you confident or are you concerned as, as far as Lions heading into this weekend? Uh, I'm sure. I'm a bit unsure, only because uh, Port Adelaide is an exciting brand of footy and, and, and a brand of footy that can, if you're not defensively on, you can get opened up quite quickly. So, um, I mean, Brisbane's record home strong. It's, it's been great this, this year. It's been fantastic. They've built really well throughout the year. And I think they've probably gone under the radar to a certain point. Um, but then finals comes around, you have a weekend off, they freshen up, both sides freshen up. Um, and, and I just feel that I just feel as they're playing a different side, I'd have more confidence. But Port Adelaide bring an element of um, excitement, enthusiasm, is an element of youth that just play carefree, carefree footy in the sense that they're not scared to make mistakes. Um, and they, you know, they can, uh, the coach Ken Hinkley has that um, has that in, in, in Brisbane. So uh, they play an exciting team. It's going to be a great game. I think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be end end footy, um, which would be a great spectacle for all the uh, all the crowd to see. Um, but they're going to have to be on their game, Brisbane. You do know what Ken Hinckley can bring to a team. You're obviously alongside him uh, at the Suns when you were both uh, assistant coaches, part of the coaching setup there. What's he doing this week? What's Ken Hinckley doing to try and upset Brisbane at home, which is, well, it's got to be the hardest road trip in footy, doesn't it? Yeah, it's up there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you used to say sort of heading west was, was one of the hardest trips, but probably with the, the WA sides coming off a little bit the last couple of years. Um, uh, I, I guess Kenny, knowing Kenny, he, he's a mentor of mine. Um, as I say, I've coached with him for a couple of years and learned a lot of him. He's, he's unbelievably thorough, so he, he doesn't leave any stone unturned. Um, he'd be maximising the opportunity by his assistant coaches, making sure they study all parts of the, the ground, so the, the defensive unit of Brisbane, the midfield of, uh, of Brisbane, and the forward line of Brisbane. Um, he'd be looking at, at Lockie Neal. He'd be looking where he could place Dunkley best to, to take away one of... Uh, sorry, he was looking at Dunkley. Where's Dunkley going to go? Who's he going to come and, and play on? Uh, is it Butters? Is it Rosie? And how does that then... Um, does that force the hand of, of another uh, key midfielder to, to like Ollie Wines to, to, to come on board even more so or, or sacrifice his game a little bit more? He'd be looking probably maybe at the ruck, looking at Oscar and, and the way that he's been playing, the form he's in, and, and maybe to the point where Kenny... You know, he's sort of jostled around. He's, he's rucked, rucked a fair bit this year. He's been unsettled a fair bit in that space. He's had Hayes, Finn Lason, uh, Lysette. Um, it's an area they sort of lack a fair bit. Um, and he'll also be looking at his, his, his defenders and, and the Brisbane forward line. Um, you know, Hipwood, Danaher, they're, they're really potent. Who does, he, who does he have to play on those guys? Who's best suited? Um, does Trent McKenzie get up? He's been injured. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a really there's a lot of little little um, 
fascinating, fascinating matchups and, and, and tactical nous within this within this game. There's a lot of little things you need to get right to win this game, and and um, and, and that's for Brisbane as well. Um, as I sort of mentioned, the Port Adelaide midfield is, is so potent and they're so young, so they, they play with with a real no fear attitude, and, and that can be really dangerous, but they also can be exploited if you if you get it right. Dean, with your coach's hat on, is there a way of using a, a ground or a team that you have a bogey against or a ground that you find it very difficult to win at? Is there a way of actually turning that and using that in, in your favour? I, I don't know. Is in a, hey, no one expects us to win or something like that. Is there something you could harness and would it be something that Kenny would be doing? Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely there is. I think it comes down to the early stages of the game are really important because if Brisbane get their tail up and kick the first three or four, Within in the first 10 to 15 minutes, okay, the confidence goes through the roof. So can he be looking no longer, well, no further than the first 10 to 15 minutes? And, and that'd be simply, um, it'd be simply probably a tweak to their, their current game plan where he might say, let's just play a little bit. It's almost like facing the new ball in cricket. Let's, let's face the first three or four overs and not play any outlandish shots. Let's just play safe. Let's just um, keep it all in tight, keep it close um, and, and not get opened up early. So we're at the 10 or 15 minute mark of the first quarter if it's nil all, that's a massive win for Port Adelaide because then they can get to work with their natural game plan. And so he'd be looking at how does he take the crowd, crowd out of it early, and then he'd be looking at their key drivers. He'd, he'd be looking at Lockie Neal, he'd be looking at Oscar, um, uh, and, and the way that he's uh, using his hand in the ruck. Where does he where does he um, where does he tap the ball that allows their mids to get onto the outside? Um, he'd be looking at all that tactical tactical stuff. He'd look at Charlie Cameron and, and how he can ignite a crowd. So how do we how do we keep the ball away from his area? Um, There'll be a lot of little facets of, the, of his strategy that are going into the first 10 to 15 minutes just to make it nil all, and then they work their way into the game. I look back to round one and the, the teams, how they lined up. Um, Brisbane were in front at half time, but then Port came back with eight, eight unanswered goals uh, straight after uh, half time in, the, in that third quarter. You, you look at Dunkley, who had just come to the team. Uh, Will Ashcroft was there, again, new to the team. Daniel Rich was mm. in the back line as well. So, uh, I don't know. I'm looking at it going, well, hang on, it's a very different team now. They've got a lot more cohesion. That There's a new look, especially in that defensive line. Is there much you can take out of that game, round one, uh, down in Adelaide, which was the first time in five outings that Port had got the better of Brisbane? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think there's a way. You always take, you always got to take things um, away from the game when you previously play a side. And, um, throughout that game, there'd, there'd be the coaches in the, in the coaches' box who were taking notes, and, and part of their review throughout the week, they'd be taking notes on little areas they felt like they exposed, exposed the opposition side. So there'll be some tactical stuff that would have flushed out from that early early game. Um, and the fact that you said that Port Adelaide come home strong, well, well, they did that last week against Richmond, the week before against Richmond as well. So they are a side that you need to play right into the final minute to, to win the game. Um, they, they won't go away. They'll keep playing that that no-fear brand of footy, which, which always allows them to be in the game. Um, so, yes, there'll be some stuff they've taken away. Um, there, there is, I mean, they've settled into the season now. Uh, you know, even like you talk about Ashcock, he's not there. There's, there's the key personnel that's not there as well. Um, so there's a take, but there's also, um, you know, 25 weeks of football that's, that's sort of gone on yeah. from that period of time to now. And, and both sides are playing either better or a different, slightly different style of footy. Um, so and, and as we know, finals finals brings the best out of out of people too. It can either bring the best out of players or, or some people, some players, sorry, can get a little bit overwhelmed and, and go missing a little bit too. So um, 
I think there's also a, there's always a lot in, in, in looking at the, the key drivers of the opposition and looking how you can take away their, their natural game uh, because that's a that's a massive win. Um, you know, Dunkley, as you said, been a great pick up for Brisbane. Like I'll be I'll be shocked if he doesn't go to Butters straight away and just try and put it like. He did it at the Q Clash against Rao, I believe it was, and, and Rao up into half time was dominating that game. Uh, Dunkley went to Rao and, and just put him to sleep in the second half. Then Brisbane get their game going and, and they win the game comfortably. So they can't wait. I don't think any either Ken or or Faze can wait and sit on their hands when it comes to tactical um, matchups. They've just got to get the right player on the right opposition key mover and put him to sleep really early in the game. Mate, a fascinating insight as always. Thanks for letting us pick your brains. Dean Solomon, part of the SEN family, SEN AFL Nation, the home of finals here uh, on SENQ. And, of course, you can hear the power and the lines go head-to-head Saturday night from the Gabba. It's going to be an intriguing battle. Lions fans, Brisbane fans, are you more confident after hearing that? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Or do you have concerns? We'll get to your thoughts on the other side of this. Uh, yes, Sammy, exactly halfway there, halfway through the show. But plenty more to come, including the quiz. That's after 11. So what's that in about 27 minutes' time? 13, 13, 55 is the number you need for that. Uh, remember, if you're the first five callers through, you get a second chance at this because I know this strategy when it comes to the quiz. Uh, we'll be heading out to Suncorp Stadium where I'm getting information through that, yes, Corey Oates is training in the reserves. Again, that's how they trained on Sunday at Red Hill at Suncorp Stadium. They're having a session now, the Broncos. Uh, Adam Reynolds is fine. Pat Carrigan is fine. So injury worries, tick, tick, tick. Uh, but Corey Oates uh, playing or training with the reserves. So it looks like Jesse Arthurs will be brought into uh, onto the wing there. So Kevin Walters, not afraid to make some hard decisions, which, which is good, right? I mean... As much as we love to see Corey Oates continue to go on, having a big body there in as a winger, um, Kevy has gone tactically for Jesse Arthurs and the speed uh, that he brings. Uh, Adam out at Morningside, thank you for your text. He said, Ben, what about darts at the Olympics? I love watching the hype behind it, and both male and female can play darts. It's not a bad one, Adam. I mean, you, you see the crowds, you see them get into it, and you love the calls, don't you, of the... 180. Imagine that. I just don't know how to translate into, oh, I don't know, into different parts of the world. Uh, this darts being in India or China, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but there's plenty of colour, plenty of life when it comes to darts. So, Adam, not a bad idea as far as Olympic sports. What would you like to see? Uh, the, mention, the reason we're mentioning this is on Friday, the IOC are expected to vote on what sports are going to come into the 2028 Olympics with LA. T20 on the cards to return to the Olympics for the first time since 1900 when cricket was part of the Paris Games. The Americans say, yeah, we'll have cricket so long as you have flag football, which is their version of Oztag for gridiron. I, I, I don't know. Who's going to be winning that? America? American only? So let's help them out. What other sports would you like to see at the Olympics? Adam says darts, plenty of color, plenty of cheering, plenty. Imagine the crowds for that. Darts. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Stephen Moore on the other side of this.
Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. time grace yeah slam and sam has dug up the crowd at blackpool back in july singing mr brightside for the asp nathan aspinall when he won the world match play of darts imagine that rocking out la what's 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 the la stadium call them where would they have darts in la i'm sure they found some irish pub to have it there or something well, no, anyway 13 13 55 736 actually lee's chimed in he said what about little league baseball so the kids can win an olympic medal recently el segundo won the world series kid louie lapped as a major uh, a superstar of major league baseball lee thank you 13, 13, um, Other Olympic sports that came in in Tokyo to boost the number of games up to uh, sports up to 46, three by three basketball, BMX, karate, rugby seven. Oh, no, rugby sevens was around before Tokyo, wasn't it? Uh, skateboarding, surfing, speed climbing. Uh, on Instagram, we've put it out there as well. You can contact any anyway through the socials. Uh, Nate said, what about as an Olympic sport, mountain trail running? Similar to ultra trail, Mont de Blanc concept. Well, there's one for you. Olympic, actually, through the hills of, oh, it'd be great in LA. Through the Hollywood Hills and around the canyons. That'd be outstanding stuff. Nate, good stuff. Clubhouse leader. 13, 13, 55, 04, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6, 7, 3, 6. Well, something that is an Olympic sport is rugby sevens. That's our segue getting into this because we've got the Rugby World Cup coming up starting this weekend. Australia in action against Georgia. That happens on Saturday. And one man who's actually on his way to France, well, it's where his World Cup career started. Three World Cups for Australia, 129 tests. The last World Cup was as captain. I am speaking none other than to Stephen Moore on his way to France. Let's talk about almost 16 years ago to the day. In fact, I reckon we're three days away from this, Mark. You were part of the second biggest winning margin ever by a Wallabies team. And it was against Japan in that World Cup. 91 to 3, the winning margin, 88 points. I think everyone scored a try, including whoever was running the water, except one S more. What what, what was going on, Squeak? Yeah, I don't know. I was doing all the hard work, mate. So just give it, give the tries to everyone else. But yeah, that was a good win. It'd be nice to see a few of those this time. But uh, you know, I do think there'll be a few close games in this World Cup. They'll, it's it's one of the closest we've seen for a long time. So you know, there'll be some upsets, no doubt. And uh, you know, as we've seen, Japan have certainly improved since that game. Haven't they? What we'll get into Australia and their chances in a moment, but I want you to paint the scene, set the scene for us. And I use the word painting, thinking of French Renaissance and all that, the, the, the great artwork we come out of France. But I mean, where they're based, the Aussies, and what we've seen, the crowds turning up to training like there was a thousand just at yeah. their first open training session. The French, and as much as I made jokes about submarines, they actually do hold a well, Australians hold a, a, a dear place in their heart, don't they? 
Oh, very much so. You know, we saw that all those years ago. We went uh, to visit a couple of the war memorials over there as well, where Australia fought in the war alongside the the French troops. And the the regard that Australia's held in over there is is massive. You know, and rugby is very big in the south of France, where the Wallabies are based, uh, in and around Lyon and those sort of areas is the powerhouse of French rugby. So they will get right behind it. Their, their team is obviously the favourites for the World Cup, France. So the country will be very engaged in the tournament uh, and hoping their own team wins. But uh, they do have a special place for Australia. Lyon's also the, the food capital of France. So <laughs> hopefully uh, Tony Ellis stays away from the buffets because he's looking reasonably fit at the moment. And uh, we need him out there in good shape. All right, beautiful segue getting into the question about Taniella. Ben Donaldson gave a great grab overnight in in France saying that if he was on steroids for 10 years, he could never look as good as Taniella or be the beast that he is, 140 kilos, squats 300 and can run the 109. <laughs> what? Yeah. Imagine packing down next year. And, mate, being a, a former front rower, you know what I'm like. Having someone like him beside you, how much confidence does that give a team? Oh, massive. The tight head prop in a World Cup, it's the cornerstone of your team. And I think we saw against France last week just how much he brings to the team, particularly in the set piece. And, you know, we talked about how dynamic he is around the field, but the set piece and the scrum is the most important part of the game. World Cups can be won and lost in that area alone, and we've seen that over time. So he's an extremely important part of the Wallaby team. It's it's good that it's set, that he's back out there. He had a long, long absence and a very difficult injury, a torn Achilles. So that's a big injury to come back from. So good that he's back on the field and he's going to be absolutely crucial. You know, if he's not our most important player, he's close to it in the next month. So uh, good to see him out there fit and firing and let's hope we see the best of him now in the, in the six weeks ahead. Yeah, we hope so. We are picking the brains of our third most cap Wallaby. Three World Cups under his belt. The last as captain. The first, as I said, in France, Stephen Moore. Squeak, as much as Taniella gives us confidence and would give his teammates confidence as fans, we haven't seen a win this year. How much confidence do you have in this Australian side? Yeah, look, ideal, not ideal, sorry, going to a World Cup and five you know let's be honest about that but uh, we we do have a pretty favorable draw and that's been talked about a lot but there's a chance we won't play any of the top sides until the semi-final so if we can play some reasonable rugby uh, get off to a good start this weekend against Georgia build some momentum through the pool stages I think we can we can go far in the tournament and as I said that the top teams and, and most people probably know this but the top four teams are all on the same side of the draw. So they'll be playing each other in pool matches and quarterfinals and, and semifinals. So that's really favourable for us. Uh, if we can play well enough, as I said, I think we can get to that semifinal. And then from there, you know, anything can happen. Well, Australia is ranked ninth in the world, which is hard to comprehend and hard to swallow. Uh, Wales in our group, 10th. Georgia, our first opponent, 11th. And then you've got Portugal in 16th. So the, the, the toughest competitors in our group, Fiji, ranked seventh in the world, and they've just knocked off England. Yeah, Fiji are a real dangerous team. You know, typically associated with sevens rugby, but their 15s teams really just slowly improved over the last few tournaments. So they'll take a lot of confidence from that win against England. A lot of their players play in France, so they know the local scene pretty well. And uh, they'll be really dangerous. So 
that game particularly, I think, will be a, a big game for the Wallabies. Uh, Wales as well, they're not mugs. Uh, they haven't played that well recently like we haven't. But on their day, teams like that, you know, they can turn up and put in a good performance. So, you know, the, the pool games are by no means easy. But if we want to go deep in the tournament, you've got to win those games. And the team will know that. Uh, you know, the, the ninth in the world, that's a reflection of how we've gone the last couple of years, isn't it? Look, we haven't really played that well, um, um, played consistently well over 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 the last couple of seasons. So, uh, you, you know, Eddie's making a lot of noise about the peaking at the World Cup. So, you know, we've only got five days to wait and see you know, that come to life. Steve, you know Eddie more than most. Uh, how? What's your read on him? That the media conference when he when they flew out of Sydney was one of the most extraordinary I've seen in three decades. Is it mind games yeah. from the coach? Is he under a bit of pressure? What's your read on this from the man that you know? Yeah, a bit of all those things. I think Benny. I, I think I was really disappointed in that press conference before the team left. You know, I was actually I was embarrassed as a former player to see that kind of conduct on the way out, leaving for a World Cup. I thought it was really disappointing. Uh, it should be a really positive occasion and moment for the team. And uh, the questions that got asked were pretty reasonable in my view. So you know, that was disappointing. Eddie's always got a plan though. So, you know, he's trying to shield his players from from the attention, I guess, and keep it on him. And he's done a pretty good job at, at that since he's come back. You know, the, the press conferences have been talked about more than the games uh, but now we have to start playing you know in the world cup and he'll he'll get judged on the team's performance you know, over the next six weeks so yeah, he knows what it takes to play well in a world cup there's no doubt he's been really successful in, in a lot of world cups with different teams different countries you know japan south africa the wallabies and england mm-hmm. i mean they, they very nearly won the last world cup against france so uh, he will know what it takes to play tournament rugby. And uh, we, we just haven't seen it yet on the field in enough volume. But I guess we'll – let's hope that, you know, what, what he says is right. They are going to peak for this for this next month ahead and uh, and we get the best out of the Wallabies. Uh, there's a lot of people back home wanting to see the team do well. The Wallabies yeah. are one of those teams where – you know, we can make people proud with our performance on the world stage, like the Matildas have just done here at home. You know, the Wallabies have the opportunity to do that, and people will get behind them if they if they show that over the next month. Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. One, one final one before you get that final boarding call. Uh, the the questions that raised the hackles on on Eddie were, were around selections. I remember two thousand and seven when when you were part of that first World Cup squad for yourself. Beric Barnes was a surprise selection uh, heading to yeah. France. Uh, there are more than just one or two surprise selections here. Yeah, there is definitely. And I think he probably threw caution to the wind with a few selections and wasn't getting the results he wanted from a certain cohort of players. And he feels probably like he's got nothing to lose by, by picking a few left field choices. So... Look, I think by and large, there's no one who's not in the squad uh, who I would have picked other than probably Michael Hooper. I think he probably had something to add to the team, uh, you know, on and off the field. But that's that's a tough decision that lies with the coach, and he's made that. So, you know, he's backed himself, he's backed his players, and he feels like that's the best squad available mm. uh, to win the World Cup. So, you know, he's been around long enough to know what it takes. Have you packed your boots, mate? When was the last time you played? Definitely it, not, mate. It wasn't that long no, ago. No, it was the last just time for uni played. a couple of years ago, yeah. mate. Club rugby, that's that's my <laughs> uh, limit, very much my limit these days. But 
Uh, no, mate, I'm very much in the stands for this tournament, mm. um, and I'm happy about that. Oh, yeah, you never know, mate. Hey, at four, <laughs> at forty, you're looking as good as you were at thirty. Listen, I'll let you, I'll let you go. Thanks, mate. Enjoy that's, the flight that's over. Very it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enjoy, enjoy the World Cup, and we hope and wish Australia all the all the success coming its way. Thanks, Benny. Appreciate it, mate. Bye. Ah, oh, Stephen Moore, what an absolute ripper. We are six away from 11. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Ah, some absolute ripping texts coming through. I'll get to them after the news. But first thing I need to do is give you the question. For the quiz, this is your get-in question. 13-13-55. Which team did the Broncos beat to win their last premiership in 2006? Oh, it's a simple one today, isn't it? The $100 gift voucher at the Lord Alfred up for grabs. So it's dinner on us or drinks on us. Either way... Jump on the line now. Last man standing. First five callers through. Get a second bite at the cherry, as we know that. 13-13-55. Which team did the Broncos beat to win their last premiership in 2006? I have a feeling it's going to be an easy one this week. It's 11 o'clock. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Uh, thanks for your company this Tuesday morning. We are doing it all thanks to Macca's, proud sponsors of the Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport in Queensland. Get to the quiz in just a moment, but... Um, Red Bull Racing, SVG and Brock Feeney, uh, they've just let us know that there has been a fairly big crash out at testing at Queensland Raceway. SVG's car is all bent up. It looks like a brake failure from the information that they've initially passed on. Shane Ben Gisbergen is out of the car. He's okay. Of course, the Enduros are about to kick off. We've got Sandown first, and we are then looking at the big one, uh, the Bathurst 1000, before we head to the Gold Coast. So uh, as more details come to hand, I'll bring you... Uh, I'll bring you that information. The initial uh, reports were that the car is on the back of a flatbed and heading back to Banyo to get straightened out. That's some major work. Uh, but now it looks like they're going to try and repair it on track and may even be back out there. But if we can get in touch within the next hour to someone from Triple Eight Racing or at least uh, Red Bull Ample Racing to find out what exactly happened. But it was a big crash by the look of this car, the 97, and how it's all banged up uh, due to brake failure is what we're hearing. Ten questions, one winner. Time for Morning's Quiz Whiz. And now here's our very cheap version of Tony Barber, Benny Davis. Uh, yes, thank you very much uh, to Noel, to Chris, John and Rob all on standby, which is outstanding stuff. Uh, 13, 13, 55 is the number you need. The last man standing quiz. And again, if you're the first five callers through, uh, you will be getting a second chance at this if our first caller doesn't go all the way through. I reckon it's a fairly easy quiz this week and it's got a finals theme to it. That's right, the first week of the finals. Uh, let's head out to Maruka. Rob was the first cab off the rank. G'day, Rob. Good morning to you. Good morning, Ben. How are you, mate? I'm pumped up. September, best time of year, isn't it? No, 
Yeah, it's good. It's getting hot. I know. Well, winter's long gone. I think it happened on a Tuesday this year. Um, but it's, it's it's flying at this time of year when it comes to footy finals. And this is where we start, Rob. Our first question, if you can be our quiz whiz, is which team did the Broncos beat to win their last NRL premiership? Yeah, they beat the Storm. They did in 2006. Outstanding stuff. And it's the last time they beat the Storm in a finals match. So there we go. Put that one down for the history books. Okay, let's change tack to AFL. Name the two teams that the Lions beat during their AFL grand final three-peat. They played in four grand finals. They won three. Who were the two teams they beat in those three grand final wins? Yeah, so they beat the Bombers once, and then they beat Collingwood twice. Well done. Yes, Rob, you know your stuff. Excellent, excellent. Um, True or false, the Gold Coast Suns have never – sorry, the Gold Coast Suns have played finals football. That's false. That's false indeed. Exactly. It might have been a Freudian slip from me right there, but anyway. Question question number four. Question number four, Rob. Um, The North Queensland Cowboys, they made a fairy tale run to the 2017 grand final, despite not having Jonathan Thurston. When they played the Storm in that grand final, who was their coach? Uh, It was... um... Was it Paul Green? It was indeed. Question four. You are flying. All right. Halfway. Can you get question five? I did mention this earlier in the program. How many games have the Lions won this season? Oh, crikey. I know they've... Well done, mate. That's very good maths. Very quickly. 17th, their most ever since 2001 and 2002. And we know what happened in those years. All right, Rob is absolutely flying. Question number six. Dan Rich will retire at season's end as the Lions' third most capped player of all time. Who is the Brisbane Lions' most capped player? I... I'm going to say Simon Black. Simon Black, indeed. 322 games for the legend. And Lukey Power sits in second spot behind uh, or in front of Daniel Rich. Okay. What about this? Rob is flying. Question number seven. Name the team which snapped the Brisbane Lions' run of AFL premierships by beating them in the 2004 grand final. Yeah, that that was power, Port, Port Adelaide power. <laughs> Rob, you are on fire. Here we go. Question number eight. No pressure. Who was the captain of the Broncos the last time they beat the Melbourne Storm, which was back in 2016? Oh, gee, boys. Um... Oh, look, I'll just go for Darren Lockyer. I'm not really sure, but I'll go for Lockyer. No, it wasn't Lockyer. Oh, you were f- you were on fire. You were going so well. Uh, it wasn't Darren Lockyer. But 
Rob, the best part is because you're one of the first five calls through, you do get a chance to call back and have another crack. John, morning to you. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Mate, it's always good to hear you on a Tuesday. I know you've had so many cracks at this, and you were like Rob. You've ploughed through the first few answers, uh, first bulk of the answers, then fall the final hurdle. Now the roles are reversed. Question number eight, John. Rob, I've gone... Yeah. I've gone from Might and Power to like Chautauqua. <laughs> yeah, flying home at the end. I love this. Who was the captain of the Broncos the last time they beat the Storm in 2016? Was it Corey Parker? Yes, it was indeed. You've got two to go. The penultimate question, John. John from Burp and Gary. Here we go. Which Maroons playmaker overcame a fractured scapula to lead the Roosters to an NRL premiership after beating the Storm in the grand final? Cooper Cronk? Yes. See, there's a lot of information there. You had to plough through it, but it came, the broken scapula was yeah. one or the fractured scapula. All right. Hey, John, this one for the win. This mm-hmm. for the win. Right. Who won the Clive Churchill medal for the Broncos in 2006 when they beat the Melbourne Storm? Yeah, yeah I'm just trying to think back to see who that was. Sean Berrigan. Hey! hey. <laughs> John and Gary, finally, after so many tries, you've got there. You have won the $100 voucher to the Lord Alfred. Dinner's on us or drinks. You take your pick. Sean Berrigan, it was a master stroke of Wayne Bennett at the time. Playing him out in the centres on Greg Inglis, he just shut him down. Barrow was so good in that match. Well done. John, right, have I you got... Yeah, sorry, sorry, if I could just quickly. Yeah. Like, he, he wore number nine, though, didn't he? He played yeah. like a hooker in, um, in attack and then centres in defence. Exactly. It, it was brilliant. He defended yeah. on Greg Inglis and defended yep. like his life depended on it. And uh, GI was nullified in that grand final. So an absolute master show. Hey, John, even knowing that, even knowing he wore the number nine and knowing he defended on Greg Inglis, that deserves the price. So well done, mate. Congratulations uh, to, to, to Noel, to Chris, uh, and to everyone else who phoned in as well. Thank you for being on standby. Thank you for being on hold. Uh, that is uh, brilliant stuff. I'm, I'm glad John finally got it. If you're a regular listener to the show, John from Burping Gary, he gets in and does the hard yards. He, 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 does the, he does all the heavy lifting, and then someone comes in and sweeps on him. So, well done, mate. You're off to the Lord Alfred on us. 100 Lord Voucher coming your way. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. 26 degrees, Brisbane's weather today. A few showers on the cards. Maybe even a storm a little later if it does get warm and moist enough. Oh, yes, I've used that word. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Uh, I'm going to get to your texts in just a moment. But it is all over for the Demon at Flushing Meadows. Daniil Medvedev has come from a set down to beat Alex Diminor, uh, 2-6, 6-4, 6-1, 6-2. So it was quite comprehensive in the end. Brett Phillips will be along before midday today to take us through the rest of the results from uh, Flushing Meadows. Uh, just on Louis Armstrong uh, Arena or Louis Armstrong Court is where they're playing this match. Um, and I was wondering why, Louis Armstrong, I, I will defer to Brett Phillips on this, but I did have a text coming through with no name on it saying, well, Louis Armstrong was a resident of New York and that's why they named it after him. Yeah, but what's it got to do with tennis? I mean, do we have a, or should we have, a Bernard Fanning court 
at Pat Rafter Arena. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Or would it? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, morning, Benny. Brizzy Az here. Oh, I love this. I'm a big fan of the NFL, <clears throat> but I'd rather see competitive finger painting or no slurp noodle eating <laughs> at, the wow. Olymp- at the Olympics before flag football. The US are kidding themselves. Have a cracker on this cracking fifth day of spring. Uh, yeah, oh, we will. Thank you. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time today, the IOC, we are hearing coming out of London, the IOC, it's reported, will vote on Friday about what sports to add to the Olympic calendar in 2028, the LA Games. Cricket, T20, it's a firm favourite of Thomas Bach, the IOC president. He wants it in there. He wants to have the billion eyeballs in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh all part of that, part of the Olympic movement, bigger than they are now, that is. But the Americans said, well, if you're going to have cricket, we want flag football, which is basically non-contact or Oztag when it comes to gridiron, NFL. Come on. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Get back to your text, your calls very shortly. Quarter past 11 this Tuesday morning. You're on Queensland's new home of sport. SENQ, Ben Davis with you until midday today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Slam and Sam, he's got the sad music out. He couldn't find a violin in time, but it is the after the demise of the demon at the US Omen, uh, uh, the US Open. Alex Diminor has been beaten by Daniil Medvedev. Let's bring in Brett Phillips, our SEN tennis expert. Of course, the US Open is now streaming on Stan Sport. Every match ad free, centre court in 4K. Uh, Brett, good morning to you. This has just happened, hasn't it, on Louis Armstrong. Um, he put up a good fight to start with the demon, didn't he? Yeah, look, he uh, laid a great foundation, uh, Ben. He got out of the blocks. Uh, pretty warm conditions um, for this match. And, yeah, he was running on top of the ground, uh, playing the sort of game we thought he would play. He was really attacking the net. He was getting forward. He was making things happen. And 6-2 in the blink of an eye. Uh, Daniil Medvedev didn't start that well physically. I and mean, he had a couple of late-night finishes in his previous couple of matches. And, he had a couple of tablets there at the sit-down. He actually had an extended sort of uh, break at the end of the first set, came back, uh, was able to reset as he often does and, you know, gets it back on his terms. And then the third set got away pretty quickly uh, from the demon. He couldn't afford to be two sets to one down. This is what Medvedev does to you. He just grinds you into the ground uh, with, you know, enormous depth and accuracy. It makes you overplay and then the errors start to come. I mean, they had some great exchanges and Alex is fighting like every point's life and death and, you know, he's not not looking at the scoreboard. But uh, if he did glance up, uh, it, it was coming and going pretty quickly. And then the last set, gee, uh, yeah, he had a he had a real chance to, to, get, uh, to actually break Medvedev and go two love up. That was taken away and all of a sudden the scoreline deficit was just too much to overcome. So, yeah, look, he served particularly well. Uh, Medvedev uh, today, that improved after the first set. I mean, he won, um, what, about 81% of points off that first serve. So that was sort of a, a big stat differential. And, yeah, best of five was always going to be the test. I mean, Alex had beaten him best of three twice in the last 12 months. 
And that's the next box for Alex to tick. If he's going to actually progress deep into a slam, you've got to take one of these big guys down in five. And, and that's where he's got to try and get to. Yeah, and he's had a fairly good record against some of the big names, hasn't he? Uh, the Demon, as you just said, three against um, Daniil coming into this, but it's the Grand Slams in where it counts. Hey, BP, take us through this one. Louis, Arm- Louis Armstrong Arena, Louis Armstrong Court. What, where, where's mm. the name? I mean, we know who Louis Armstrong is, but why have they named a tennis court after him? Well, he was just synonymous with that Queens area, uh, Flushing Meadows out there, and that's where he... Uh, I think he's um, he's uh, when he passed away, he was buried in the, the Flushing Cemetery, which is not too okay. far away. And there they named a court named a court after the great trumpeter uh, Louis Armstrong. So, uh, and that used to be that used to be actually the the main court at Flushing Meadows before they built the uh, the huge Arthur Ashe Stadium. So, that used to be centre court, if you like, uh, back in the day. We were talking about it before we came on air. Just hang on, Louis Armstrong. Was there anything to do with tennis? Did he? I mean, did he play there no, or anything? No, it's just a, he's no. a local. Yeah, maybe we can get a Bernard yeah. Fanning court going at or a Powderfinger court <laughs> at Pat Rafter Arena. Yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think that's that site, the Corona Park. Before they built the tennis on there, I think uh, it used to be yeah for music festivals and okay. and yeah, really synonymous with uh, Louis Armstrong. So there you go. Outstanding. Well, you know, thank you for putting that to bed for us. Um, what do we got? Oh, geez. We've got an absolute belter on Centre Court right now, haven't we? Zarev and uh, Yannick Sinner. Yeah, just underway. So final match of the day, winner to take on Carlos Alcaraz. So if it is Sinner, we're going to get a rematch of the mm. quarterfinal last year that went five hours and 25 minutes. It was an absolute epic. I think it finished at five o'clock in the afternoon here in Australia. Uh, so uh, we'll wait and see how it pans out. I mean, Zverev is starting to find a bit of his old form uh, that took him to world number three and U.S. Open finalist. He's won everything, Alexander, except uh, win a title. And look, Sinner's continuing to emerge with Darren Cale as his coach. And I'd love to see him have another crack at uh, Elkaraz. I've got to say, Carlos uh, earlier today, but it was just a highlights reel. in his match against um, Matteo Almaldi, who'd never played a match of this sort of significance. And Elkaraz looks good. I mean, Djokovic looks good. Uh, on the men's side, uh, Rublev will play now uh, Medvedev. Now, Andre Rublev into his ninth quarterfinal, he's zero and eight. I'm not sure he'd be that delighted to play his good mate and fellow countryman in uh, in Medvedev. He just can't get a draw where he gets an easy passage through to a semi final. So I certainly feel a bit for Andre Rublev. Uh, what about on the women's side of the draw, BP, before I let you go? Yeah, well, they're falling, aren't they? I mean, Igor Fiontek, the world number one, goes out yesterday. Mm. Today, we lose the number three seed, uh, Jessica Bagula, who was a real hope at home, beaten by fellow American Madison Keys, who made the final seven years ago. And when Maddie's on, uh, she's one of the best ball strikers going around. She can be hit and miss and be, you know, balls uh, going left, right and centre outside the tram lines. But today, she was able to uh, execute beautifully. And we saw uh, the fifth seed and last year's finalist, on Jabir, knocked out by Zheng Xinwin of China, the number 23 seed. He's only 20 years of age and about to crack the top 20. So we saw Li Na, multiple Grand Slam winner, really paved the way for the Chinese players many years ago. And this young girl, uh, she's got it, uh, let me tell you. And Arena Sabalenka won through to meet her. And Sabalenka, of course, is now the new world number one uh, when the official rankings come out next Monday. And 
with the top what first seed and third seed out, it's there for Sabalenka to grab this title. Oh, it's an interesting side uh, of the draw with the uh, women in uh, in the round of sixteen. It's going to be uh, open when it comes to the uh, to the finals, uh, mate. We appreciate your update and jumping on the phone to us straight after the demon uh, lost in that uh, battle with uh, Medvedev. Uh, Brett Phillips, there, our SEN tennis expert, uh, the US Open streaming now on Stan Sport, and of course he is doing it all thanks to the Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. AATC.tennis is where you'll find more information on that. Speaking of information coming out of Willowbank or Queensland Raceway, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen has been involved in a heavy crash out there. His car was on the back of a flatbed and is now in the garage trying to, well, I guess trying to be rebuilt in time to get some more practice under their belt before the Enduros. Uh, this is the update. It happened at about 9.45 this morning. Uh, car 97 uh, crashed during the pre-Enduro test day due to brake failure. Uh, Shane's fine. He got out of the car. That's the good news. The team initially thought the damage was too extensive to get it back out on the track, but they've started to repair it on track, or at least in the garage on track, to salvage some of that testing time if possible. But the good news is Shane Van Gisbergen is okay. Brake failure. Geez, that's the last thing you want uh, coming down that uh, start-finish straight at uh, at Willowbank or Queensland Raceway. Not sure where the accident happened, but by the pictures that we're seeing coming out of Queensland Raceway, uh, that's where the car's been put on the back of the flatbed. So we'll have more of an understanding as the, the day goes on. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. The question I'm asking you today, Brisbane footy fans, are you confident? Or are you concerned heading into this weekend's first round of finals? And I'm talking Broncos and Lions. The Broncos, we know. They've, they've got to bust the hoodoo. They've got to bust that Melbourne Storm hoodoo, which has been hanging over their heads far too long. You can go back to 2006 in that grand final. Well, that was the last time the Broncos beat the Storm in a finals match. Go back to 2009, that was the last time they beat them at Suncorp Stadium. 2016, seven years ago, was the last time they beat them. Flat. Des is up on the Sunshine Coast. He's texting. He said, Ben, I'm confident of the Lions winning if they kick straight. How many times this year have they kicked more behinds than majors? Kick it straight and we'll blow anyone away. Pretty simple, really. I think the Broncos' hoodoo with the storm will end Friday night. Go, you good things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, exactly. And Dane, Dane Coles. Yeah. Uh, the hoodoo. Does it get broken this Friday night, the Broncos and the storm? And you know what? The, the Lions, as much as they broke an MCG hoodoo last year and they won two of their three finals last year, there is still a final hoodoo's over, over them, I think. Nine finals appearances, only three wins. They're a much better team this year. They are well-placed more than any other Lions team. 17 wins in the home and away season. Last time that happened, 2001-2002. The most finals experience of any team left in the top eight. Yeah, the Lions. 32 players on their list with finals experience. 29 of them had finals wins. That blitzes any other team left in the competition. This is the Lions window. Yeah? Or are you concerned about Saturday night at the Gabba? 13 13 736 736. Half past 11. Time for a news hit with Vanessa. 
Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Hoodoo Gurus, the Broncos need to be just that Friday night against the Melbourne Storm. And in a way, the Lions need to as well. Saturday night at the Gabba. Uh, it's going to be a big 24 hours of footy in this city. Cannot wait for it. Are you going to both games? Oh, that'd be a, just a sports fans delight, wouldn't it? Brisbane footy fans, are you confident or are you concerned heading into this weekend? Broncos fans, Lions fans, and I'm even throwing it out to, well, everyone. If you're not a Broncos or Lions fan, say if you follow Souths or, or, or Richmond, um, Essendon, um, a team, the Tigers, whoever it may be, if your team is not playing in September, have you jumped on a Brisbane bandwagon? Have you hitched your support to that? And if not... Why not? Do you not think that they are going to go all the way or at least what hurdles are they going to run into? Where do you think their weaknesses are? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, 14 games it's been. Brisbane, who uh, cannot beat the Melbourne Storm. It's something that a well, a former Brisbane captain, one of their best, was talking about last night on NRL 360, Gordon Tallis, with his take. Oh, look, I think Brisbane will be too good, uh, you know, like, and you say 14 games, but you put this Broncos side against the last 14 Broncos teams, I reckon this side beats them. It's a totally different organisation to the one that played eight years ago or seven years ago. Mm. Uh, they did but who does do exist? And, and, yes, and there's, yes, there's they no do. coincidence that they've won 14 in a row against them. You yeah. can say that they're a different team, but there has to be a reason why Melbourne have the wood over Brisbane. Well, I don't think that they fear them. I think, you know, that... They were born, like with John Rebo and Chris Johns back in the day, Glenn Lazarus going there. I think there was a bit of Brisbane Broncos DNA, so they, you know, so there was a fair bit. Then you have Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater and um, Cameron Smith, three Queenslanders that probably got overlooked from Brisbane. So that was the motivation in early days, and they've, and they've stuck to it. But I think that it's a different Brisbane organisation now. But yeah, Melbourne, disagree, mate. it's an amazing record. Yeah, there we go. Gordon Tallis, so he, he's confident for this Friday night. And, and and so we should be. I mean, this is probably the best team Broncos have fielded in that seven years. It goes without doubt. I, I go back to the last time they played the Melbourne Storm, though, full strength. It was round 11 this year. And, and it was going blow for blow. It was pretty tight. And that was the game, if you remember, that Adam Reynolds did the face plant and, and knocked himself out or at least gave himself that concussion which sidelined him for uh, well, for at least 11 days for the best part of two weeks. So he was gone after 17 minutes. Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas both run for over 200 metres. Reese Walsh, not far behind them, was 170. He set up a try. He had six line breaks. Uh, uh, Payne Haas was bending the line, eight line breaks. So those three, the big three, Carrigan, Haas and Reese Walsh, could not have played any better. But they still couldn't get over the line. That's what worries me. To me, as he is most weeks, Adam Reynolds is the X factor. Do you agree? 
13 13 55 0467 736 736 and he's had the best part of the month off that calf we're hearing is fine the way they were training this morning at Suncorp Stadium uh, Reynolds back uh, we know that Pat Carrigan's had that foot issue as well he was back training and yes Corey Oates was training with the reserves. Uh, as far as the Melbourne Storm, they're concerned, I mean, let's get a take from one of their greats, Cooper Cronk, and that same discussion last night on NRL 360. If they can't beat Melbourne, they can't win a comp because you're going to have to go through any hoodoo, any team that you don't think you can win to win this trophy. You can't sidestep someone yeah. and get an easy path through. So I think this is a huge game. I think uh, if Pen- Brisbane can really beat that record and win it, mm. absolutely, they got to put one hand on that is trophy. It- but... Is it Melbourne's biggest rival? Did you guys put that in your calendar? Um, yeah, I think it is. Um, I think the fact that uh, Melbourne started with a lot of Brisbane sort of yeah. DNA with Johns, Rebo, yeah. Lazarus, Craig Bellamy came, bought that yes. thing, Wayne Bennett, Craig Bellamy, 06 grand final. So there's always been a, a filter in that. In terms of the reason why Melbourne have the ability to win so much over the Broncos, look, in terms of style, like I think it adds up a little bit. Melbourne uh, like to play sort of direct and quick and fast than over the ad line, but one thing that's changed is the Ford Pack of Brisbane mm. I arguably say are stronger and fitter than they have been in a long, long time. They are a powerhouse. Payne House and Cac- mm. Patrick Carrigan are elite, so they've got a few things that go in their favour on Friday night. Yeah, there we go, Cooper Cronk, last night on NRL 360. Coming from a former Stormtrooper, that, that that means a lot. But the rivalry is an interesting one. Of course, it is probably the biggest day modern-day rivalry in the NRL. And, and stretching back, well, I suppose you can go to the Book of Feuds as well with the Roosters and Souths. But modern-day rivalry, does it get any bigger than the Broncos and Storm? But it was a really interesting point that Warren Smith made in the call the other night. He said, well, hang on, for a rivalry, there actually needs to be a fairly even competition. And the fact that Melbourne have won... The last 14 straight doesn't really make much of a rivalry, does it? Has he got a point? 13 13 All right, let's have a look at these texts. Uh, Tom's out at Belimba. He said, look, the reason I'm not on the Brisbane bandwagon because at every home game, the Brisbane fans start filing out if they're down with 10 to go. Tom, he didn't, he didn't say whether that was Lions or Broncos, but he also didn't say who he barracks for either. All right, Tom, thank you. <laughs> Four, six, seven, seven, three, six, seven, three, six. Dan has said, morning, Benny. Broncos, six and a half plus. Into Lions, one to 39. Put the house on it. Oh, really? Uh, just remember, imagine what you could be buying instead. Gamble responsibly. Uh, Bronco Travis said, the Broncos will beat the Storm. The amount they've matured in the past 18 months is the best team we've seen in 10 years or more out of Brisbane. Melbourne have been up and down all year. Yeah, they have been. But they've been consistent, haven't they? And that's a trademark of Melbourne. They've been there or thereabouts for, well, for the best part of two, you'd almost have to say two decades knocking on the door of that. And the conversation, and we may have this conversation. In fact, we'll have this conversation tomorrow. Because I know they were throwing it up last night on NRL 360, talking about Penrith. Are they the best team of a generation? Well, I'd argue that the Melbourne Storm, and even the Broncos of the late 90s, early 2000s, they were the team of that decade. Melbourne probably overtook that, you'd have to think, with the grand finals and the premierships they won not premierships they still have, but the premierships they won, I would argue that Melbourne would have to be. What do they mean? 14 straight final series? Is that right? 
I hope they're not playing that after Friday night at Suncorp Stadium. The storm rolling into town again. Paul's out at wind and he says, Ben, I'm very keen to see this Broncos team. Hopefully Adam Reynolds is playing. I'm very confident we can break the hoodoo and turn the storm into a fizzer. Yes, I like that one, Paul. Outstanding stuff. Keep the text coming through. Got to mention, Slam and Sam, Roosters fan, so he'll be doing anything he can to talk down the Broncos' chances because he knows if the Roosters and Broncos do meet up that the Chooks are going to get, well, put straight on that rotisserie and uh, plucked and barbecued and everything else you do to a chicken along the way. All right. Yeah? Yeah, that's right, Dane. Exactly right. Uh, now, we have been putting Jack to, well, he's been burning the midnight oil. Not only does he get up at uh, whatever time to help out Patton Heels in the morning, but he's been down at Suncorp Stadium along with Patty, and they've just filed this moments ago. This is Pat Welsh speaking to Pat Carrigan at Suncorp this morning. Hey, this seems to be relaxed as you head into the, the biggest game this club's played for a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, it's exciting, I guess. Um Kevy kind of encourages us to keep doing our own thing and um, there's no turning down the fact there's going to be a massive game in Melbourne going to be up for it. So um, finals footy is different. Um, but, yeah, we're excited and, um, yeah, really keen to get out there. You don't need reminding about the, uh, the so-called hoodoo against Melbourne? Nah, I kept my receipts, mate. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Can't change it. They've been a really good club for 10 years plus and um, plenty of good players. So that team doesn't change on Friday night. they got some guns and 17 players that are going to want to do a job on us. So uh, it's exciting. I may, may as well embrace it. What's different about this Broncos side from previous years? Different people, different coach, different players, different everything. Um, probably the one thing that's remained the same is the fans and they've been showing up every week. So um, I don't forget that. The boys don't forget that. And there'll be 55,000 Bronx fans here cheering on. We know those backline boys get a fair bit of the headlines, but you and Payne have been pretty destructive, haven't you? Particularly later in matches with your offloads. Yeah, it's been good. Um, I just play on the back of the big fellas, not too hard. So... Um, those outside backs keep turning the footy over and we do tackling, so I think they need to uh, change a bit of that come Friday night. But, nah, it's good. Everyone compliments each other and this team's got each other's back, so we're excited to go and, um, yeah, Friday will be fun. Just quickly, one bloke you do know, Munster, he's been a little bit quiet because he's had a, an injury after Origin. Do you expect him to explode on Friday night? Quiet? I don't know about that. He doesn't have a quiet game, that bloke, so or a quiet bone in his body. But, um, yeah, money will be on. Big game player, makes things happen, so... Um, 
like I said, 17 players in their team that are more than capable. And um, yeah, my little mate will be up for it. Thanks for stopping. No worries, brother. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Uh, there we go. Pat Carrigan with Pat Welsh. Uh, you'll hear all the stuff that Patty and Heels uh, gathered and hunted at Suncorp Stadium just a, a few moments ago tomorrow morning on Breakfast. If you missed any part of this show or Pat and Heels, anything else across the SEN network, the SEN app is the place to find it. Also, podcasts. You can go to uh, Apple, what's that, iTunes and Spotify to download them and you'll be across everything throughout the SEN network as well. Uh, all the footy finals this weekend two is on the SEN app. Uh, it, it start, well, it starts Thursday night, doesn't it, with the AFL, uh, and it ends on Saturday evening in that competition with the Lions going head-to-head with Port Adelaide. It, it's going to be an epic uh, three days when it comes to AFL finals as well. Uh, it, it's the MCG hosting three matches back-to-back. It kicks off with Collingwood and Melbourne Thursday night. Friday night, it's the Swans and Michael Voss's Carlton. Got a soft side for Vossie and Carlton, don't we? Of course we do. Uh, then Saturday, well, afternoon, the Saints and the Giants, and that's backed up with the Lions and Port Adelaide. Uh, the NRL, it kicks off Friday night, as I mentioned, the Broncos and Storm. It is that hoodoo guru, that bust. It, it's got to be the biggest game of the weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, the Broncos and Storm. I mean, regardless if it's a final or not, these games are always huge. That's Friday night. Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock, you've got the Panthers and Warriors. Saturday night, straight after that, uh, kicking off just before 8, it's the Sharks and Roosters. Isn't there some fallout about that south of the tweet? Sharks fans. blowing. Well, the Sharks fans are actually happy that they're playing at their... Shark Park, but you can only get 13,000, 14,000 in there because of all the construction. So uh, the NRL world in Sydney is going berserk over the fact that they're playing at a stadium that can only hold well, hold less than 15,000. Where else should it be played, though? I mean, come on. The Sharks have earned the right, haven't they, to have a home final. And if you're a Sharks fan going to that match, well, you can get there, you get your tickets, but if you can't get a ticket, you just want your team to win and don't having the home ground advantage give you every and best possible way to win. And then Sunday afternoon, the the dark horses of the comp, in my opinion, Newcastle on that tear. What are they now? Nine straight? They are absolutely flying and they're against the Raiders. So the way the draw works out, if, if the hoodoo continues for the Broncos, they meet the winner of the Knights and Raiders. So that'll be a match to keep your eye on this Sunday afternoon and ear on too. Uh, SENQ 6.93am and 16.20 on the Gold Coast. It is Queensland's new home of sport. All your footy finals action covered. Download the app. It's where you'll find it. Uh, now, I did see a tweet before. Josh has come through with the goods again. He just said, Ben, as far as Broncos Melbourne are concerned, there may be a hoodoo, but Brisbane beat the storm when it truly mattered. The 06 grand final. Storm may have been cheating the cap too, so that's a win itself. Oh, come on, Josh. That's a bit low, isn't it? 06. Um, but sadly, we're living in the past. 06, the last time the Broncos beat the Storm in a final, it was that grand final. 09 at Suncorp in 2016 in the regular season. The hoodoo can be beaten. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Then the numbers to remember. Jimmy Smith is coming up tomorrow after 10. I'll be talking to Mal Meninga, the immortal himself. It'll be interesting to dissect those finals uh, campaign with a big Mal. And 
a man who's been there and done it all before for the Brisbane Lions. 20 years since their three-peat. Jamie Charman. Prince Charman himself. In a Where Are They Wednesday, he'll be joining me live in the studio to get his take on the current class of two of 2023, but also to reminisce about the halcyon days, the Brisbane Lions. Thanks for your company over the last three hours. It's been a big three hours. We'll do it again tomorrow from nine.